And welcome, friends, to the Generations Broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host with you, Bill Jack from Worldview Academy as well. One of the intentions for this program, Bill, is to equip the man and woman of God to every good work. We receive inputs. We understand what's going on around the world, but sometimes it's hard to interpret it to understand why these things are happening and what we should do about it. And I want to talk about atrocities in war because we're starting to hear some of these stories and uh, some of these descriptions that we give on this edition may not be appropriate for young children simply because they would not understand and perhaps we'd have a harder time interpreting it. But our goal is to help our listeners to deal with these particular issues. Now, of course, the Word of God b- brings out atrocities. The Bible is not hesitant at all no. to to describe what happened in Judges chapter 19 and 20 yeah. or what's happening to the people of Israel during periods of judgment, which was coming down upon the people of God. Uh, and there was, of course, warnings and prophecy as to what would happen in the future especially for those nations that submitted themselves uh, to the beast or to these ungodly governments that would maintain control over the peoples and so forth. So I caught this article from the Japanese newspaper Asahi Shimbun. One of the reasons it was interesting to me is because I delivered this newspaper when I was 13 years old. What? Missionary kid in Karatsu, Japan. Really? Yeah. Can you believe it? Asahi Shimbun. It's the Asahi newspaper. Uh, Morning Sun is Asahi is Morning Sun newspaper. Anyway, here's the uh, story that came out fairly recently. 350 cases of American servicemen raping Japanese women in Okinawa during World War II. Now, this woman has written a book on it. This is what the newspaper article is about. And she she's put together this 100 page book or so on these atrocities. And it's, I guess, supposed to be somewhat healing for women who went through that. And it's interesting also that this would have been, I'm doing the math right now, 70 some years ago. And, and they're still feeling the effects of it. And I think we should, I think we should point this out that, that war, you don't get over this in a year and a half. No, I mean, these are traumatic events that occur and during, in the lives of yeah, men and women. And during war, there are atrocities committed that need to be addressed. That's why you have uh, trials for those who committed war crimes. Yes. And if it's not done, then then that there's has to be there has to be a resolution. Yeah. People want justice mm-hmm. uh, for others. They want mercy for themselves. Yeah. Right? But it's but appropriate want, to desire both. Yes. Right. We we mm-hmm. want justice for those who have committed crimes against God, against others. And so it's appropriate to have the have this exposed yes okay because what happens is it it just festers it's it, you know what it's like it's much like uh the the call in the bible for church discipline and if someone offends you you go to him matthew 18 if he doesn't repent you take another brother if he still doesn't repent you take him before the church because then if he doesn't repent you kick him out there has to be a um a reckoning for bad behavior, for crimes. And if not, then what happens in a church, for example, is it leads to gossip. Mm-hmm. And that rips a church apart. Mm-hmm. And once you don't have justice rain down, then people find a way to take care of it, either vigilanteism or, or gossip or despair. It tears at the fabric of the culture. 
Mm-hmm. And so this lady's addressing this is necessary. Mm-hmm. And it's right to address it, to expose the evil that was, was perpetrated. But after 70 years, how is it going to be corrected? How is it going to be rectified? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as Christians, we're called, Bill, to justice or mercy? Both. Well, that's Micah 6, 8. Yeah. He's shown you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly before your God? So th- th- there is an example. The-, the other point is, though, that we need to, you know, be sure that we are not respecter of persons. This is really critical in these discussions. Mm-hmm. Now, true, there is such a thing as fake news. But there are also things that have been established through history as well that I think we can say there were issues on both sides. And certainly the Japanese, they, they, they had massive issues. They didn't have much of a Christian heritage. But thankfully, America has a bit more of a Christian heritage. It doesn't solve all problems. And we certainly have our list of crimes. But in 1937, remember the rape of Nanking mm-hmm. out in China. Between 20,000 and 80,000 Chinese women were raped by the Japanese servicemen. And that book's going to be closer to 15,000 pages long. I mean, that's, that's a long book. That's a, that goes on and on. Yeah. That's a sad story. The Japanese military were also known for cannibalism and other atrocities. Well, we're also hearing stories of rape and mayhem on the part of the participants in the Palestinian war over in Israel right now as well. It's one reason for this, because I, I do want to address this issue of atrocities. What do you do with atrocities? Go back to the American contribution to some of these atrocities. Uh, Sherman's March to the Sea was probably the worst of the stories coming about in the 19th century. Sadly, according to journalist William Gilmore Sims, the Northern soldiers mainly committed atrocities with black women, although there's also a story of a 10-year-old involved in Tennessee. Very, ta- very, very horrible story. Mm. Uh, this is what Sims wrote. Okay, this is a journalist writing in the 1860s. The poor Negroes, or the blacks, were terribly victimized by their brutal assailants, many of them being left in a condition little short of death. Regiments, successive relays, subjected scores of these poor women to the torture of their embraces, and, but we dare not farther pursue this subject, is one of such loathing and horror. Two cases are described where young women, black women, were brutally forced by the wretches and afterwards murdered, one of them being thrust when half dead head down into a mud puddle and there held until she was suffocated. Mm. So again, these are horrible stories from one of the most horrible instances of all of American history, and that was Sherman's March to the Sea in South Carolina. Violence tends to breed violence. War brings out the worst in people on all sides of the conflict. Uh, Among the Southern outlaws, for example, during the Civil War and thereafter, uh, one woman was violated in Kansas, and this is an interesting story as you read about the Southern outlaws. The outlaws found the man who did it. So the outlaws themselves, and they weren't necessarily good guys, but the outlaws themselves went around to look for the man who had violated the woman in Kansas. They killed him. I believe it was Frank James, Jesse's brother, who ran down the bad guy in the story. Mm. But these were stories that come out of the Civil War. 
And so there may be a little more restraint here and there, but war brings out the worst in, in men. Oftentimes they lose sense of right and wrong, commit the worst possible atrocities. So how does a, a Christian respond to this? That's the question I want to answer next on Generations. How do we deal with these atrocities that we hear about, we read about, especially during times of war? That next on Generations, stay with me. And we are back on Generations. This is Kevin Swanson. And as I said, atrocities are mentioned throughout Scripture. And and Scripture brings it out for a reason. Why? Well, our first response to this news of atrocities, whether it was what happened in the land of the Gibeonites, uh, land of Benjamin in Judges 19 and 20, or anywhere else, the first response to this bill is to verify what God says about the human nature, and that is the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. There needs to be a fear and a trepidation, a sort of respect for the sheer evil of the human heart, the potential of the human heart, depraved by sin and captured by the devil. Who can possibly plumb the depths of the sheer wickedness of the human heart? That's the question Jeremiah asks here. Right. It's Never underestimate the depths of your own depravity. Yeah, there, there exactly. There the grace of God and the restraint of government against evil, yeah, though yep, I. Yep, 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 yep. Right? And, and, and in some respects, you know, in wartime, the restraints of government are re- removed somewhat for some right. of these guys. And that's why they take advantage of it. That's what's happening is the human heart is finding opportunities to do the sorts of things the human heart is like to do. And it just, there are just no limits to what it could do outside, as you say, the grace of God and the restrictions of human governments. What's interesting is that you've contrasted what, what the Japanese did in Nanking to what this lady's writing about, you know, RGIs raping women in Japan. Yeah. And the difference is in, is in magnitudes of order. Now, why? Because it was restrained more effectively by a biblical worldview that the U.S. had, that the U.S. military had, than the Japanese had in China, and so there is that there there is that that tampering down of evil by the 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 general view of a of the Bible being true even among non Christians. Mm-hmm. In, in a culture that holds to a biblical worldview. So 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 initially, friends, uh, let's respect or let's understand or let's certainly agree with the biblical perspective of the nature of man and the sheer evil of the human heart, even your own heart by nature. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't paint it up. I think this is one of the things that brings about so much shock is we've read all this sentimental literature about the wonderful nature of men then turns out to be, you know, not so wonderful. And perhaps we're shocked by that. But, you know, someone says a humanist tells you today, he's got a good heart. No, he doesn't. He doesn't have a good heart. Nobody has a good heart. No, the unregenerate heart is capable of all kinds of horrible things, but for the grace of God. Now, secondly, is once you realize the sinfulness of the human heart, just realize that's why Jesus came. That's why the son of God, the, the perfect Son of God, second person in the Trinity, comes to earth, born of a virgin, put on a cross, rises from the dead. Why all of this? But that he has come to save his people from their sins. We're in trouble. 
It's a big trouble. If the creator of the universe has to come down and get her done, mm. Bill, you're in trouble. Yeah. You're in a heap of trouble, man. And I have no hope outside yeah, of outside of that. Outside of his grace. Amen. His mercy. Amen. The most religious people on earth put Jesus to death. Let that sink in for a second. Yeah. The most religious people on earth, right? I mean, who who would have been more religious or more close closer to God in all of the world? than those who had been covenanted to God in the Old Testament uh, church, and that was the Jews. Hey, guys, the most religious people on earth put Jesus to death. That's how bad it is. Okay, so you think you're doing pretty good. No, you're not doing pretty good. They weren't doing pretty good. But thankfully, he was dying for them and for us on that cross. Amen, Bill. Amen. 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 We needed that redemption that badly. All right, so... Then thirdly, here, third, third thing to do as we react uh, to the atrocities that we're seeing here, first is to realize the sheer depths of the evil contained in the human heart. And secondly, realize also that's why the Son of God came. And then thirdly, seek justice. And you just mentioned this, so I don't need to dwell on it, but seek justice. Do justly. Do justly. Absolutely. These atrocities must be addressed by military courts. I don't think Sherman and his army were ever brought to justice. No. And I, that, that, that gets me upset. And I don't know as if the American servicemen were brought to justice. Now, now some are. Some are. Right. And there, there are court-martials, and that's what they're there for. And I don't care if the army's a winning or losing army. All atrocities must be brought to justice, period. And any Christian general will insist upon it. He will court-martial, and he will hang his soldiers for these atrocities, for serious atrocities that violate God's laws and require the death penalty. Right? Wouldn't yes. a Christian general do that? I don't care if you're winning or losing. Mm-hmm. You're going to hang them right. for the atrocities that they commit against these women. But once you leave a biblical worldview, then even in the military, there's no sense of absolute right and wrong. And so everything becomes nebulous. And then there is no justice. And that's when, that's when vigilantism occurs. That's when we see people in despair mm-hmm. because they don't see mm-hmm. justice being... Right. Being, and that's this lady who wrote this book, you know, 70 years later, mm-hmm. she, she, she's not over it. Yet. She's not over it. She, mm-hmm. it's, it's the despair of there's no justice. There's no resolution. But, but as a Christian, we can be sure there is a just God in the heavens. Yes. And, and justice will, will be, be accomplished will one be, way or yeah. the other. Right. Yeah. And then finally, love mercy. We talked about do justly, love mercy, walk humbly before your God. Love mercy. As Christians, uh, we have got to be able to say what Jesus said on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You just yeah. have to be able. Now, I'm not separating justice and mercy. I'm, I'm saying no. it's a both and. But the only way you can do both of those mm-hmm. is by walking humbly with your God. There you go. And that's, it ref- that's a good it's, point. It reflects what, what Jesus said was the greatest commandment and the second greatest commandment. The greatest commandment is to love God with all heart, soul, strength, and mind. That is walking humbly with your God. And then and only then can you love your neighbor as yourself and do justice and love mercy. That's the only way you can do it is by first loving God with all. Right. By first walking humbly with your God. Before your God. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so do justly, love mercy. We can't let bitterness and hatred consume us against the people who've done these terrible things. Bitterness is drinking poison, 
and hoping mm. the other guy dies. <laughs> Have you ever heard that before? Yeah. 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 Well, I want to take a moment on the draft, just for a moment. This has been brought up again. We need to be cautious, not just for women, but also for men as well. So we consider whether or not our sons and daughters will join the armed forces. And, and we bring this up from time to time. But our nations are becoming increasingly humanistic, Bill, which means they're abandoning a biblical worldview. And, and the military is increasingly homosexualized, transgenderized, and everything else. So the chances that they're going to abide by biblical principle, less and less. That's all we're saying, less and less. Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me, they'll advocate the use of weapons of mass destruction. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they're going after women and children in warfare. But where a government systematically refuses to abide by Deuteronomy 20, I don't think Christians should be involved in those wars. The Bible does not allow for scorched earth warfare. And as far as women in combat is concerned, you know, it came back in 1988 into the modern world. You know where it came at first? It was Norway. Mm. Doesn't surprise me. No. It tends to be the mm. Swedes, the Norwegians that do the wrong thing first. But uh, the treatment of women in warfare changed dramatically in the Christian age. And this happened in the year 8700. How many years ago? 1300 years ago. All right. 1300 years ago, after Columba of Iona, then you have Adomnan who takes over on Iona. Okay, that's that northern island off the coast of Scotland. All right. So he takes over as the role of abbot and he writes up a draft called the Law of the Innocents. Okay, now what is this? This was a legal edict for which he obtained signatures from 91 tribal leaders across the British Isles, banning the employment of any woman in an assault or in a host or fight or war. The same legislation also protected women from rape and other abuse. And such language stands as a remarkable example of the Christianization of public morality and civil war in the Western world. And it occurred in 700 AD thanks to the influence of Christianity. Mm -hmm. Now, this is probably one of the most important things that happened in the history of the world, simply because you know the abolition of slavery and the abolition of women in warfare, subjecting themselves to rape and, and all the rest or whatever it might be, uh, the protection of women and children right. is so essential, Bill, so essential to a Christian world and life view. Now, that hung on for 1,300 years until Norway. Sadly, Norway brought it back. Mm. And now, of course, just about everybody else. Adomnan had personally witnessed the scenes of mangled bodies of female warriors lying dead on the fields of battle. One medieval source quoted in the Law of the Innocents recorded that they beheld the battlefield and they saw nothing more touching and pitiful than the head of a woman in one place and the body in another and her little baby upon her breasts. Okay. Well, Deuteronomy 20 speaks to this and just simply says, hey, what man is there who's built a new house, not dedicated it? What man among you has just been betrothed to a woman? Let him go return to his house lest he die in the battle and another man marry her, meaning that the concern was always for the wife at home. And of course, the wife at home is not to be in the battle. Mm -hmm. Deuteronomy 22 and verse 5 says, A woman shall not wear anything pertains to a man. The word is gaber. A woman shall not wear a gaber. What is a gaber? It's translated that pertains to a man. A woman shall not wear a gaber. What's a gaber? It's the clothing of a valiant warrior who defends a woman. Mm. So that's, that's what it is. So yeah. a woman shall not wear clothing of a valiant warrior who defends women. Nor shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all who do so are an abomination to the Lord your God. 
Deuteronomy 22 and verse 5. So, so this is biblical, and it's been biblical for 3,000 years. Now, our denomination has issued a statement 10 years ago on this, and I think all Bible-believing churches should uh, be sure that an official statement is contained on their website that looks something like this. I encourage you to this. I can send it to anybody who wants it. Uh, it says, right for men to refuse military service. It's allowed for Christian men to refuse to serve in the military when in the judgment of the General Assembly, the military's action, including but not limited to wars, declared and undeclared, police actions, any international peacekeeping uh, constitution um, is deemed unjust. Then the second is women in compulsory service in government. It's not lawful for women to serve in military service except for voluntary acts of mercy. It's not lawful for the civil government to draft women into the military to require them to register for potential draft into civil or military service. Reference Deuteronomy 25 to 20, 1 Timothy 2.12, Titus 2.5, Numbers 1 and 2, etc. All right. So these are just simple statements that our church put together. It's on our website, and I would recommend it for every church, especially now. We don't have a women's draft going on yet, but uh, now would be a good time to go ahead and put that on your website. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Generations Broadcast, friends. You can read the whole story of Adamnon and the the influence of Christianity upon the Western world um, with taking the world for Jesus. This was my introductory course. I, we assign it to ninth graders, but I encourage it for the whole family to get the full story of how Christianity affected the whole world. And uh, the book is Taking the World for Jesus. It's our ninth grade course. There's a study guide that goes along with it. But Taking the World for Jesus, available at generations.org. This is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation. <laughs>